Welcome. You are listening to the Fat and Furious podcast. In this podcast series, your host, Steve Bennett, father of seven, best-selling author and adventurer, will be joined by 23 of the world's most forward-thinking medical professionals, doctors, authors, and top nutritionists, where he'll share the truth behind living healthier and happier for longer. Today, I'm thrilled to be spending the next hour with Dr. Jen Unwin. I first met Jen with her husband, Dr. David Unwin, after he had written uh, the preface to my book, The Primal Cure. I was fascinated by Jen's work on the part that psychology plays in improving our health. Together with David, Jenna has undertaken a body of work that looks to hit the issue of obesity and diabetes head-on by addressing both behavior and lifestyle in favor of prescribing medication. Jen's GRIN methodology, which we'll discuss during the hour, has transformed the lives of thousands and has shone a light on how best to approach many challenges, including weight loss and diabetes. She's also a key supporter of the public health collaboration and the leader of Real Food Rocks. It promises to be an incredibly interesting hour and I am genuinely delighted to welcome Dr. Jen Unwin. Dr. Jen Unwin, thank you for joining me. Delighted. Now, uh, I'm at an advantage over the audience because we've met many, many times. I've been to your home. You've cooked <laughs> me the most amazing uh, low-carb lunch. Um, Thank you. But for, but for those that haven't met you yet, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Right, yes. Well, I'm a clinical health psychologist by background. I've actually recently retired from the NHS after 32 years. So, you don't look old enough. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, so that's, that's what I've always done. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm married to Dr. David Unwin, who you've also interviewed. I and have we've indeed. been working together for some time on uh, trying to help people in his practice and also more widely really who are struggling with type 2 diabetes and obesity. Tell me uh, what a clinical health psychologist is. Mm, really, you know I'm at a loss with the Really, title. really good question. So a clinical health psychologist, so you'd all, um, psycho all um, practicing psychologists have a psychology degree. So that was the first thing that mm -hmm. I did was go and do my three-year bachelor's degree in psychology, which I did in Exeter. And um, then you, to qualify to be a clinical psychologist, you do quite a lot of practice in the NHS mm -hmm. and then apply to a doctorate course. It's a, it's a doctorate course in clinical psychology. Uh, back when I did it, actually, it was a master's. So I did that in Manchester. And then I then did get a doctorate, which I did at Hull. So I've been in universities quite quite a lot, yeah. So then uh, the reason I call myself a clinical health psychologist is that throughout my career, I've specialised in helping people with physical health conditions mm -hmm. um, who perhaps have mental health struggles alongside, but I've particularly um, specialised in helping people deal with chronic or disabling um, or life-limiting um, health conditions and how they cope with that, and how they live as best they can with mm -hmm. those conditions. Now, I've listened to you speak before. I'm fortunate to have been to public health collaboration and various places where you've been. You talk a lot about how hope can change yeah. uh, people's way of looking at illnesses and, and, and cope with those yeah. illnesses. Talk us through what role hope plays when somebody is chronically ill. Yeah, so the way that I came to that kind of realisation and then also started sort of... Ref researching it around hope and also looking at therapeutically how you can help people to sort of enhance their hopefulness about dealing with a condition and, and, and hence what they do uh, mm -hmm. and um, the impact that, that that can have on their condition. So what happened was um, I'd been working in the NHS for quite some time and in, in, in the kind of traditional way really of asking people about um, 
the, the problems that they were experiencing and how that came about and perhaps the history of it. I mean, perhaps the model that people have of psychologists, isn't it, is that mm. you're asking about their backgrounds and maybe their childhood and um, uh, how difficult things are for them and listening to all that. And that's, that's you know, really how we were trained to be very sort sure. of problem-focused. Um, and that's the way that I'd practised. Um, but a little bit like um, David got to a point in his career where he could see that perhaps that wasn't the most, what he was doing wasn't really helping people. I think I got to that point as well, where, where I thought well, we were sort of just getting mired in sort of problems and um, difficulties. And that if people's, a lot of what was going on for people was rooted back in their childhood experiences, that's, that's not very hopeful, is it? It's, yeah. you know, it kind of s sticks people in, in, in the past and in their struggle. And also at the time, I was working in a really big hospital up in the, the northwest um, with, uh, with the plastic surgeons, actually, at that time, and saw people who were dealing with the most sort of incredible life-changing mm -hmm. injuries often mm -hmm. or, or life-limiting illnesses and, and disabilities. And what really struck me was... Yes, some people struggled with those things, no, no doubt, like sure. any of us would. But actually, a significant proportion of people that you see in a hospital, inpatient and outpatient setting, broadly are actually doing incredibly well yes. or find a way to adjust. Yes. Um, so you, on the plastic surgery ward, I'd see people who kind of you know, experienced some terrible injuries, mm -hmm. but actually were, were able to kind of integrate that in some way and say, you know, how they were going to get on with their lives when I talked to them. They they didn't need a psychologist. I thought that that's that's really interesting. And the nurses would 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 um, refer me all the patients who'd had the worst injuries because the model that we always have is if something terrible happens to somebody, mm -hmm. they'll really struggle to deal with it. But actually I saw people who had terrible things happen who you know, actually, you could see that in time they were going to adjust and get back to living a, a life that um, had quality and, yes. uh, you know, that they were um, not, not depressed about. Other people would have tiny sort of seemingly minor injuries mm -hmm. and would completely fall to pieces psychologically. Uh, so what struck me was that there are some people who naturally have a, a kind of hopeful nature or mm -hmm. a sort of... Um, coping active coping kind of nature so i was interested in that and that got me interested in well does are people who are more positive and have those better coping mechanisms or more hopeful does that help them adjust sure and if that is the case which i think it is and that was some of the research that i did for my doctorate was around um looking at people who were having amputations, actually, mm -hmm. um, and people of those people having amputations, who did well, who, who, who adjusted well and coped well, which is a kind of twist, isn't it, on how yes. people normally look at things and yes. they say, well, um, of people who've got this condition, how many are depressed or how many are not coping would be the traditional way mm -hmm. of looking at it. So I, I kind of did the opposite thing. Um, and yes, it turns out that those people who have kind of goal-focused way of looking at the world, who use active coping mechanisms, who have good social connections, who are broadly more hopeful in nature, do much better and adjust much better and get back to a kind of life that they feel is purposeful. Mm -hmm. um, and those people who, um, who have those hopeful natures, um, the research shows that they um, need less pain medication, mm -hmm. They get sick less often. Mm -hmm. Hopeful those those people with that kind of uh, those kind of characteristics even live longer. Isn't that amazing? Sure. Yeah, I yeah, they actually live longer. So, what can we, what can we as practitioners, take from that? And how can we help those people who've become hopeless? Because mm -hmm. of course, that's our role is to help the, the hopeless people mm -hmm. to feel more hopeful. Mm -hmm. So that's quite a long answer. No, it's but, a great answer. So uh, you're saying with clinical illnesses, with uh, maybe people have had accidents or they've got a chronic illness, mm. 
one of the main triggers is turning from hopeful less or no hope to creating hope. It's interesting yeah. actually because um, a few years ago I was in Madagascar and I was in a real rural area called Ilakaka and uh, everyone was laughing and everybody was smiling and they'd got nothing. Mm -hmm. And this was an area where, I, as you know, gemstones, this was an area that hadn't yet found gemstones but everybody that was digging and mining was smiling and happy. Mm. And uh, as happens everywhere in the world, you end up in a bar in the evening having a beer, a very rural bar, not a bar like anybody else would imagine, but you know, right in the middle of nowhere, we're having yeah. a beer. And I yeah. said, why is everybody smiling and why is everybody happy? Yet the village I just came through the day before, nobody was smiling and, and quite rightly because they've got nothing, you know, living in mud huts and three bricks for a stove. And, uh, and somebody said, the difference between the two villages, Steve, is even though they've not found gemstones yet, there's hope. And while there's wow. hope, there's happiness. So yeah. as long as you can, and where there's happiness, there's longevity, and that's why we get the longer life expectancy. Absolutely. So um, hope is so powerful, isn't it? It's so powerful. And I think that modern medicine has, not completely, but has more or less for, forgotten the, the, what David and I call the, the art of medicine, really, the art of giving people hope and the power, the absolute power of that in people's lives really if they can if they can find hope mm -hmm. um they can cope with just about anything it was the, right at the bottom of pandora's box wasn't it it was the last thing yeah. in pandora's box yeah. and uh you know it, it yeah it, it it makes all the difference i think and without going into religion and things like uh, religious beliefs what, what what can we do for loved ones for friends that maybe are going through a hard time mm. whether it be you know clinical depression whether it be they've had an accident or injury or just been diagnosed with a chronic illness what, and I've got a friend, a uh, very, very close friend in the family that, that's there mm. right now. How do we, especially if it's sort of life-threatening, how do we mm. encourage hope if, if, if it's kind of terminal or...? Yeah, exactly. It is, it, it's, it's the, I always think it's the, about the kinds of uh, questions, it's always about the kinds of questions that you would ask people. And so in that sort of situation, you might ask people, you know, however long you've got, what are your best hopes for that, using that time? Or, mm -hmm. you know, imagine that, that you know, you're perhaps in your last few days, what would you want to look back and think, what would you want to sort of think about how you spent the time that you've got? It, mm -hmm. That's a kind of weird sort of future-focused question, but getting people to kind of think about whatever, whatever time you've got left, what, what are your, what's most important? Mm -hmm to you as a person and what are your best hopes for using that time? And if you were looking back, what would you be most proud to kind of say that you'd spent this time doing? It's very interesting. And asking those kinds of questions really gets people to focus on what, what's important to them yeah. um, and um, bring that to the fore. And then also if they can talk about that, their friends and family can help, help them with that. This is what the hospices do so well, isn't it? Mm, they just focus absolutely. on that person and what, what it, how, how it is that they want to have that bit of quality of life left yeah. and how they want to use that time. And for, I think that's great advice for, for people that are chronically ill and maybe have sadly a short time left with mm. us. But I guess also for people that, that aren't chronically ill but maybe life's just a bit tough, uh, maybe overweight and, and, and maybe... the. When it's something that, that can change, because some people get into such a dark place that, yeah. you know, I know some people that are massively overweight and they go, well, it's just too big. You know, it's taken me 30 years to get to 30 stone and, you know, I'm sure I can't reverse it that easily. How do you, as a doctor, start giving hope to people where, you know, you and I and David realise that, you know, it, it is possible to start getting on the road to recovery from obesity. How do you start there? And in fact... I'm going to preempt it by saying, I, I, I listened to an interview with you recently and you have a model called Grin. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> in fact, I'm leading you down a garden path here. Tell us about Grin, because I yes. think this is probably going to answer the question I was about to ask you. Yeah. Uh, you have this acronym called Grin. Uh, talk us through it, and, and I think it'll answer my question. Yes. So Grin is a kind of distillation, really, of all my <laughs> 32 years of thinking about uh, positive psychology, which we've just been talking about um and also that this the kind of therapy that i practiced was called solution focused brief therapy so if people want to find out more they can google about that or mm -hmm. we can 
get, um, put some links up maybe. Um, so it's a kind of distillation of positive psychology and solution-focused therapy. What we were trying to do, what I was trying to do, was to get to the point where... So, so we said, didn't we, that I think modern medicine has sort of been stripped back of its, yeah. of its um, ability to kind of he- help people to be more hopeful. And what we've said is that makes a massive difference and sometimes more difference than all the clever medications and things that they can do. Um, you'll know about the placebo effect mm-hmm. uh, and how massively powerful that that can be that if people believe like mm-hmm. you say they believe they were going to find the gems so they were yeah. all working when they have more yeah. energy if people believe that a tablet's going to help them or a treatment's going to help them um even if there's nothing in it they they start to feel better mm-hmm. they start to notice that better they perhaps do more they perhaps mm-hmm. you know eat better so all kinds of things can to, can lead to that so we want am, to, am i right so in, in thinking what you're saying there is it's the placebo itself leads to hope so it leads to positive mental attitude mm. because you believe that, because you don't know it's a placebo. And yeah. well, it's been proven, hasn't it, countless times yeah. in research that placebos work. I, I love, I'm fascinated by that, absolutely. And of course, that's psychology, isn't it? Yeah. It can't be anything else. Sure. So that's the power of psychology. So if, if people think that they're going to get better, they start noticing Oh, I'm, you know, I'm walking a bit better, or you know, uh, um, oh, the pain's not so bad today. So you start noticing the positive things. Mm-hmm. So how can we get healthcare professionals who are busy, busy, busy to see that, you know, asking some of these different kinds of questions will help the people be more hopeful, which is going to help them to be motivated to make the changes Mm -hmm. that are going to make the difference? Because we've mentioned chronic disease. Um, You're all about getting people to change their behaviour. It's... the, the doctors aren't going to make you better from, as we said, from diabetes. It's, all, it's going mm-hmm. to be about lifestyle change. So how can we help health professionals to have a simple model mm-hmm. of how to do that? Because they often say, if we say to them, right, it's all about psychology, isn't it? People have got to be motivated. They say, well, people aren't motivated. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't got time to be asking all that. And they don't want to uncover a can of worms when mm-hmm. they start asking people about you know, psychological type questions. So they need a simple model. It needs to be really easy to do. And it needs to work, doesn't it? So uh, between us, we've sort of refined this this model. GRIN. And the idea of GRIN is that it's a really simple acronym. And it stands for goals, resources, increments, and noticing. But what we'll do is we'll talk about each of those. And uh, that'll sort of explain how, how it would work to help people have positive conversations. And this would apply to anything in life. And we often have these kinds of, we're a bit weird, so we have these kinds of conversations <laughs> at home and with each other. And in fact, it's how all our work came about. We yeah. had, I had a conversation with David along the GRIN model that yeah. we can talk about later, which uh, led to us working together on the diabetes project. So... Well, let's, let's assume then, let's use grin, let's use, uh, yeah. well, I don't know, I've come in and I desperately want to lose some weight because yeah. I'm feeling unwell, my knees are aching because my my obesity, because this was me uh, four years ago. Yeah. So talk me through how grin would work grin would start. when I came, if I'd have come into your uh, surgery four years ago. Yeah, so you'd start with, G is for goals. Mm-hmm. So um, it would be some sort of a question about what, what are your best hopes for coming to see me today? Yeah, so uh, I, I want to lose some weight so I can be around longer to see my kids grow up. Mm, yeah, great. So you've already given me loads there. You want to lose? You actually, most people would probably wouldn't come in and and say that much. They'd probably say, "Well, my knees hurt" right. or something like that. But yeah. you've you've it's great that you've already come in and you've got a really nice formulated. Goal. Well, stick my knees were hurt because they were hurting. Oh, they were hurting. <laughs> okay, okay, and um, okay. So so. Um, you, 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 what are your best hopes? You, you, you want your knees to hurt, to hurt less? Yeah, I want my knees to hurt yeah. less because I, I struggle to get out of bed in the morning and my wife keeps taking the Michael out of me. Yeah. Saying I'm too old and my yeah. shouldn't have knee, uh, achy knees at, yeah. at, at 50 years old. And what would be better then? What, are you, what, what would be your best hopes? In six months' time, what, uh, well, what would you well, like to do? Well, for my knees not to hurt, to obviously lose some weight because I'm obese, as you've just told me, doctor. Technically, I'm yeah. obese, so I don't want to be fat. Yeah, and 
So and if, you, if in six months' time you were able to lose some weight, what difference would that make in your life? That'd be great. I could run along and catch the kids up on the beach rather than running off all the time. Yeah? So you'd like to be able to sort of move more, play with the kids more? Exactly, yeah. That'd yeah, be great. Yeah. Sounds like you're quite a family-orientated person. That's me. I've got seven children. I'd like to catch <laughs> them up on the beach. Yeah, so that sounds really important. What else? What other differences might, might it make in your life? Oh, loads. Uh, loads. I'd probably feel more confident. Uh, my wife's oh. 10 years younger. I probably wouldn't think she's going to run off with my best mates. Oh. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a confidence. Um, but really, I, I, I guess I'd just be more active. Yeah. So being active, being confident mm -hmm. and um, being able to keep up with the kids. That'd be great. Yeah. So that's all of that is around the goal. So mm -hmm. you came up with the first goal, which was to lose weight, but we'd never... We'd never just stick with that. You'd always mm -hmm. expand it to sort of say, well, what would, what difference would it make if mm -hmm. you were able to achieve that goal? Yeah. And already you can see the person sort of engaging, actually. Yeah. You were kind of looking down. You were actually thinking about yourself mm -hmm. being slimmer and running on the beach. I bet, I bet you had a picture of yourself running on the beach, yeah. yeah. And that's really powerful. That kind yeah. of imagery of something different um, is really positive, isn't it? And yeah. you're already engaging with it. So you'd have a quick conversation about the person's goals. Right. The other thing is that you're both on the same page then. Yeah. It's not me saying, right, right, you need to lose weight or um, you, you've come up with it yourself. Yeah. So um, that's an absolutely great start. And as a lovely colleague of mine uh, who, who I work with for many years uh, always says, it's a long day on the golf course if you don't know where the hole is. <laughs> that's and that's great. true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're batting together yeah. um, because you've got this, you've yeah. come up with what the shared goal is. Right, but then. You're using that analogy saying doctor patient relationship. If the doctor doesn't know where the hole is on the green, it's a long day. A so absolutely. get on the same Get on the same GP page. GP and, uh, and, and client patient should be uh, yeah. that conversation first. And I guess some GPs are reluctant to go down this because it mm. sounds like a long conversation. But yeah. I remember once speaking to your husband, he said, actually, if you don't go down this route of really asking a lot of questions, then actually it's an even longer session because you're shooting longer. in the dark. You're, you're, it's a long day on the golf course or you're, you're trying to push someone in a direction yeah. they don't want to go, yeah. perhaps, that you'll never get there. I always say it's also you know, a bit like uh, World War One and World War Two. difference. World War One, they'd get a machine gun and they'd try and hit the planes in the sky, so it's like a scattergun approach, it's like yes. boom, 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 yes. trying to shoot the planes down and then by the end of the Second World War, that heat-seeking missile that, you know, it followed and followed Straight and followed through. and one strike you get there. So Boom. I guess, you know, rather than shooting in the dark or scattergun, really laser in and get on the same page. So we've established so the goals that's of the, Yeah. So the, yeah. So the first is is the goals. And mm -hmm. you've, you have to start with that because of that exact, right, you're never going to get there if you don't know what the person's goal is. Also, I think the other thing that works really well is I'm an adult, you're an adult. We're having a sort of conversation like that. It's not like I'm the expert and yep. you're, you're, you know, it's not adult child, is it? It's, mm -hmm. it's kind of adult, adult. So that's always a, a good footing. Right. R is resources. And the second phase then is to explore either what's already got going well, what's yep. gone well in the past, yep. what kind of guy are you, what, what, you know, what kind of strengths and, and resources of your own do you bring? Who's around you that's supporting you? Mm -hmm. What else do you know? So all, all the things that you're bringing to this, you know, this uh, mission, if you yeah. like. So so I might ask you something like, um, oh, uh, have you ever managed to lose weight in the past, Steve? Is, well, is that... I, I have, but uh, I'd I do a diet and then, but for some reason I'd stop it and I'd get even fatter than when I started. And mm -hmm. I've probably done that a dozen times. And yeah. every time I try it, I put on even more weight at the end. Yeah. A bit weak-willed, I think. Sounds like you're quite persistent, actually. Well, Sounds yeah, like persistently you, you, getting it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> persistently <laughs> trying, and you have been successful occasionally yeah, in losing sure. weight. What sort of things would have worked for you in the past? Um, well, I used to do a bit more exercise, but now the, the knees hurt too much. So mm -hmm. I used to jog a lot, but I've had to sort of stop that a little bit lately because of the, the knees hurting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, exercise helped a bit. And I, and I did, uh, for a while, follow the Atkins diet, but then everybody took the mick out of me uh -huh. saying Atkins is wrong because fat's dangerous, so I gave that up. Uh -huh. But I actually found that one worked. Did you, how did you feel on the Atkins? I actually felt great on it, but right. again, everybody was saying I was stupid. Yeah, okay. So that, that worked for you. How did you How did you feel and what were you doing when you were on the Well, I felt stuff? great, but, but then as soon as I mentioned to anybody, oh, I've just had a load of meat and I, <laughs> I, I, I've cut out the bread because that's what Dr. Atkins said. Yeah. Everybody just said I'm wrong and, yeah. and therefore, even though I was looking better and feeling better, 
You looked the, better. You felt better. What else? What else? Well, everything was was great. Apart yeah. from, it must have been just a coincidence because everybody said that was couldn't work for you. It was oh, impossible. okay. And it was dangerous, apparently. Yeah. So we'd we'd be pulling out like what did what did you notice and when did you feel well? Because mm. at the end of the day, we're all unique, can't we? We're all a sort of self-experiment. So yeah. we're trying to encourage people to look for noticing, which also comes into it. When do they feel better or what's mm -hmm. working for them? Yeah. Um, and to pay attention to that because it's human nature to pay attention to things that don't work yeah. and that are going wrong and that we feel bad about. Mm -hmm. So trying to, to train ourselves and the patients to look out for what, what's working, what suits them, What's going to be sustainable? Yeah, and would resources be also also things, things like, like who who does the cooking at home? Yeah. We might ask. Yeah, so, uh, well, actually, I like to do the cooking. You like yeah. to do cooking, so that yeah. oh, that's really Wife's good. Too busy with all the kids, so I like yeah. to do the cooking. You enjoy doing cooking, yeah. so that that's great. You'd be able to kind of, kind of buy and, and cook stuff. Um, I might also say, um, you know, I've I've known you I've known you for a long for a while now, and I know that you're you are an energetic kind of resourceful person who mm -hmm. who is interested in reading things. Yeah. Yeah. So would you be interested in, in reading this book, maybe? Yeah, that's a great question. So if I know... So rather than telling somebody to read it, there's no point pushing them down that route yeah. if they say, oh, well, I just don't read. Yeah, that's it, fine. They, but they might be, yeah. well, do you, watch, do you use YouTube? Oh, yeah. then watch this or do this. Yeah, or, yeah. Or they might be, you know, maybe they already belong to a gym or... Yeah. I don't know, there's myriad things that come, could come out. A sister who also wants to lose weight, they're yeah. going to do it. To, that's a good thing, looking for... I think uh, human beings are naturally very sociable, aren't yeah. they? So if you can get people to, to join a, a, a group of people or, or an online community, yeah. so we often give them, you know, point them to, to some resources as well. Yeah, we push that really hard at Primal. If you can get yeah. two or three of you to buy into the same way of achieving your goals, yeah. so much easier than having them... Doubting Tom's going, well, back to the Atkins one. Back to that, I was just you know, thinking, yeah, yeah. Back to the Atkins one, I'm going, well, yeah. If a few of you have been doing that together. Works. And it works, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So trying to bring in yeah. the sort of, so that all goes in the resources. So that's a quick conversation about kind of who's around for people. And we always involve, if it is someone else in the family that does the cooking and the, yeah. and the, and the buying of the food, you'd yeah. usually involve them. Mm -hmm. Because usually they're delighted if someone's trying to, do something better for themselves. Sure. There's the, the odd exception, of course, but, yeah. but usually people are, are kind of willing to work together as families and, yeah. you know, they're pleased with that. So, so I've come into surgery. Yeah. I, I want to lose my weight because my knees are hurting. We've talked about the goals together. You've questioned me about making sure I understand what my goals are. Talk about the resources, what's mm. available to me. What do you mean by increments? Right. So then what, what you're kind of getting a sense of is, is where's somebody up to right now? Um, you know, if if their goal, if you were to imagine their goal with them um, for you, you know, losing a certain amount of weight, and you might go into that in some detail. Well, if that's 10 out of 10 mm -hmm. and you're running on the beach and your knees aren't hurting, yeah. that's like your, your miracle almost, isn't it? Your yeah. 10 out of 10. Naught out of 10 is where your knees hurt all the time. You can barely walk. Um, you know, you're you're the biggest you've ever been, etc. Sort of kind of the worst scenario. Yeah. Trying to get some idea of where people are right now. Yeah. So, um, so at that time, then, where would you have put yourself out of ten? Where your goal was to lose weight and your knees not hurt, and um, naught out of ten is where your knees were hurting all the time and you were so huge you could uh, hardly yeah. move so, about. So, when, so, where would you have been at the time? I think when I faced my obesity, I was uh, I was rock bottom, uh, scared, worried. It's actually the time when my wife said she was pregnant uh, with my seventh child. Uh, yeah. I was rock bottom. I, uh, I tried to do diets before mm. and they hadn't worked. And, you know, I mean, going off subject a bit, many people know my story, but, um, you know, that, that was a catalyst for me. So I was rock bottom. If, if you were seeing me that Would day, you have said no? I'd gone no, yeah. I'm Would a, you I'm really? Zero, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'd try and establish with people, I don't know how much David this, but I would always try and establish with people, well, well where are you kind of thing. But then my next question would be about, about the increment, the kind of small step would be, if I if I see you ne next week or yeah. you know at some point, what what would tell you that you were a one? How how would you be able to tell me you were one? What would that look like? So at that time, uh, it, what I, would I, have told you you'd moved up to one? I, I'd from have jumped zero? on the scales and and uh, probably lost a kilo or two or three or four pounds. Mm -hmm. Or yeah, it need to be something that wasn't just fluke. I'd want to know that I've made. Yeah, a reasonable jump. Yeah, 
And how would you have felt if you'd? If you, if I'd, that... I'd love to have more energy and get out of bed without my knees hurting. That would certainly be. Uh, if my first thought wasn't, ouch, my knees hurt, that, that's a, that's a that, good step. That would be amazing. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then we'd, so we'd sort of explore what, you know, what one might look like. And then it would be a matter of kind of thinking, right, well, what, in a sense, or I wouldn't be telling you what to do to get to one, but yeah. we'd be trying to get some ideas about, yeah. you know, um, how, how you might how you might do that, how you might get from from naught to one by taking some small steps around, um, like you were saying, like well, Atkinson's worked worked in the past, yeah. you know, and you like cooking. Okay, yeah. well, you know, maybe you're going to go back to that. Yeah, yeah. Go back yeah. and try that. Go back and try that. Cook it and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe linking in with some other some of the other resources, and yeah. you know, maybe someone else in the family getting involved as well. It's almost like a pyramid, this, isn't it? You start with goals, you go resources, and every time you get to resources, you go back to your goals. Once you get to increments, you start talking back to those goals and resources. You keep bringing back into those. It's the kind of yeah. It's a sort of cycle in a way. You yeah. can go into it at any point. Yeah. Yeah. And then n is n is the noticing. So that's really important. So I say it's human nature to notice the pain, you know, you're going to notice the pain and, and you're going to more or less be thinking, well, the pain's there all the time. Mm -hmm. Now, apart from some pains, pain tends to sort of come and go, even yeah. if it is mostly there all the time, it'd be worse and better at some time. So when's it better? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, at what times is it, is it slightly better? So n noticing the kind of, the absence of the problem, if you like, yes. or like you say, noticing when you've lost a bit of weight yeah. or noticing when you feel a bit more energetic and you're able to kick the football with your lads. Or, yeah. um, and also training the, the doctors and the health professionals to do that because they're kind of trained to notice all the bad stuff. Right. So what you will hear a lot is that people say, well, I went to the doctor and I'd lost yeah. a stone they didn't even notice yes. or yeah. my blood sugars had come down and they didn't even say how did you do that? Or well done, you can mm -hmm. come off some medication. They're kind of always looking for the negative. So training the health professionals to say things like, wow, you walked in without your stick today. Mm -hmm. How did you do that? Or you've really lost some weight. You know, yeah. how have you done it? And sort of shine a light for yeah. people on their successes all what the time. Saying, it rings so true. I speak yeah. to so many doctors uh, doing what I do. And, you know, they do say that medication, and doctors are great, by the way. I love the NHS. And I think they're all wonderful. But it is very easy for a GP, I believe, to, to, to under so much stress and pressure to constantly look at, okay, diagnose what the illness is, yep. what do I prescribe? What do I prescribe? Off Out you go, you go or next off, patient. off to the specialist or, yeah. Whereas just that pause back to the placebo thing and the hope, isn't it? You, as yeah. soon as somebody says you've lost some weight, for me, that was the kicker every time. It was like, I'm going to carry on with this, it's working. Yeah. Got to count with this because it's working. Because people are starting to. Oh, crikey! Are we coming on to the word notice next? Notice. We are. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I've jumped ahead here a bit, but no, um, but definitely, but, but yeah. yeah. The, yeah. No, the noticing really important. So, also we have. So, as the patients, we have to train ourselves because at the end of the day, it is us that's got to carry on doing it, isn't it? Noticing what's working. Yeah. And you'll know yourself as well. There's so many of us doing this whole low carb, low sugar thing, but there's lots of variants of it. And mm -hmm. that's people finding what works for them. Yep. Right from your like hardcore carnivores yep. to your kind of flexi keto people. You know, there's there's all sorts of ways that people have to find the right way for them. Yeah. And there isn't one size fits all. So much as we'd like to be able to say, right, if everybody did this diet, yeah. you know, you're 100% guaranteed to lose weight. You have, you have to to some extent, be mm -hmm. noticing what works for you. When do you feel well, mm -hmm. most energetic, most at your best? At your, you know, and um, what does it, you know, what does it look like when you're at your best? Well, you yeah. like you say, my knees don't hurt. I'm able to run around. I'm yeah. kind of energetic and cheerful with it. Well, that's really important. And notice when that happens, rather than noticing, you know, when you feel rubbish. <laughs> so yeah, and getting the doctors to to notice. And um, David does a wonderful thing that people love work with the graphs. So he's really noticing and he's printing out the graphs and then you're able to go, well, that wow, that's working with the with the blood sugars. Look at them coming down, you know, and that's feedback for people, isn't it? Mm. Feedback's so, so important. What's that thing Whether that people are now the slapping? Scales or what's, what's that the freestyle Libra. Freestyle. David was talking to me he wore, about He wore one for yeah. a while and just you just get that instant feedback from what you're eating. Yeah. To the effects on on your blood yeah, sugar. Yeah, it's taught me into actually putting mm. one on myself for a I month so. and see what happens. So, for those that don't know, freestyle is it's 
rather than injecting yourself and doing a blood sample and taking a finger prick, you, you actually wear it. It just goes through the outer layer of the skin. Mm. And as you eat your banana or, or your slice mm -hmm. of bread or your, your pasta or for the healthier stuff like your meats and, and your vegetables and so on, it will, to your mobile phone, give you a readout what's happened to your blood sugar level. So yeah. you instantly or, or over time build up a, an understanding yep. of the effect food has on your blood sugar levels. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, that's, so I'm, I'm definitely going to get one of those because yeah, uh, I think you'll I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to try one at some point just to see. Yeah. <laughs> now, what happens? So all this, so we talk about goals, resources, increments, uh, and noticing it. Yeah, grin. It's a great acronym to remember. Just just keep using those yeah. kind of techniques, and uh, as I say, you can use them. We can all use these yeah. in our life. So so when David was struggling and and was getting a bit fed up with medicine and. Um, you know, we had a conversation about, well, you know, what 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 would be a, a good, you know, how would he like to spend the last few years of his career? Yeah. And that's essentially what, what happened, what came about was because we had that conversation. He said, well, I want to do something positive for people with these health problems. Well, okay, let's do it. You know, let's, let's yeah. sort of make that happen. So, uh, and you can have conversations with kids, can't you, about, well, you know, they're getting a bit nervous maybe about their exams or, yeah. I don't know, going to a party or something. Well, what, what are your best hopes, you know? Yeah. Or what, what would you like to happen? And then that gets them into a more positive place. You know, well, yeah, um, maybe, you know, they want, they want to get certain results in their exams. Well, you know, what are the resources? I, yeah. I, you know what? I, grin along with hope. Or you can interchange the. You can put hope in between goals and resources. Resources. And yeah, equals, I mean, I think uh, grin they, is one way of getting to people to a more hopeful place because you're yes. talking about goals. That's always you know positive. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about their strengths and resources as people, and we've yes, all got them. I could them. say I, I could turn around and say, well, oh, I can't do that because I haven't got this. But by thinking about resources, it might be something as simple, like you say, mm. as a cousin that also wants to lose some weight. Or it might yeah. be as simple as when my daughter loves to go for a long walk with the dogs, or I've got two dogs, and actually, I don't take the dogs for a walk. The kids yeah. take. Well, I could take the dogs for a walk. So, yeah. You, by or or, or that like, are you are you a really? Because I know that you are a really determined, kind of organised person, and everyone has those uh, those character strengths mm -hmm. um, that they can bring. We're all different, aren't we? Yeah. So I'm I'm quite an organised person. That's that's what I would bring. Some people are very sociable, so they do do it with other people. You know, there might be there might be some people are um, like yourself would read everything on the topic. Yeah. You know. So what what yeah. is it about you as a person that you're going to bring to this this project? Yeah. Um, and then yeah, just the small the small increments. I think if yeah. you can break things down for people, even if your goals over here and it seems like some kind of miracle would have happened if you got there. Yeah. It's like what's that old Chinese proverb about the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step, I, and then it. and then people are more once they see themselves getting from naught to two to one to, to two, then there's only another eight steps, yeah, aren't there? That's correct. And, In fact, so, resources is an interesting one that I think all GPs and everybody wanting to change something in their life is a good one. Uh, a friend of mine, well overweight, and. Uh, I started talking to her about, oh, you need to read this book, read much. I'm not reading your book, Steve, so it's, it's medical <laughs> advice. Okay, we're going to read anybody's book on low carb. I'm not doing it. I said, what do you like to read? She said, I only read things about music and biographies. So I went home and said to my wife, oh, I've got no chance with her. I can't help her. She said, you can. I said, why is that? She said, get her to read Gary Barlow's book. I said, really, oh, why yeah. is that? She said, because mm. Gary Barlow's mm. put his health on Shred track. By, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and that's what we did for our friend. We said, okay, look, tell you what, go and read Gary Barlow's book. And that falls into resources because that yeah. worked for her. Yep. Because Gary Barlow said, that's what Gary Barlow yep. said. So she changed her diet, Brilliant. changed her health and lost some weight. So yeah, uh, yeah. it is really digging in deep, finding out, you know, everybody's a little bit different, aren't they? Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, what makes people tick, it's, it's, got to, it's got to just sit right with them, really. Yeah. Mm. And, and mm. those goals are so, so important. So we've talked about yes. goals, resources, increments, uh, and we've talked about noticing the change because we, we all want that reassurance that we're on the right track. Mm. What happens when we do all that? Mm. From a psychological point of view, what happens when people fail? Mm. How do you, as a GP or with your friends, because we all worry these days, people, a lot of people are stressed and mental health and well-being. Yeah. What happens when we've pointed them in the right direction? We've talked about green and these four pillars of, of uh, psychology around uh, uh, getting better, and it goes wrong. How do we pick people up when they fail? Yeah. Um, 
I think failure is really important, and it, and it's sort of re, re, reframing it as as what do you learn from why why that came about. Mm. So um, certainly, so we've been doing it about six or seven years now, and lots of patients have fallen off the wagon. Yeah. <laughs> Because um, I think we're going to probably talk about addiction, aren't we? Food yep. addiction, but. Um, part of what's difficult for people keeping up with this long term is that the environment we live in is so yeah. sugary, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So if you've got any tendency um, to um, any sort of sugar addiction, food addiction tendencies, it, it's really easy to fall off the wagon. Or yeah, any behaviour change, um, sometimes people are going to slip back. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's uh, Einstein who said that you learn to ride a bike by falling off because True. how do you find the middle balance yes. by falling one side and then the other yeah. and hopefully kind of less often as time goes on. Um, so that, that would be the view that we would take is that, yes, you, you know, you could say it was a failure, but actually it's, it's really a point to learn what would you do differently next time. It's brilliant. It's what, so, it's what we apply in business that says yeah. there's no such thing as failure. It, it's the learning. And as long as Absolutely. you can apply some learning, no matter how big the failure, yeah. as long as you get the learning out the back end of it, how can you do it different next time? What, what, was, what was working, you know, uh, and how did you feel before you, before you fell off the wagon or things kind of went wrong? Um, what, what was working well? You know, what would you want to hold on to? But actually, what were the circumstances around that? Yeah. Normally Christmas, we found out with mm -hmm. our low-carb groups, it's nearly always Christmas. Or if you look at people's graphs of people who go up and down, it's like December, whoop, the weight goes kind yeah. of shooting up. So holidays, Holidays Christmas. and Christmas We were and watching a programme on uh, BBC last night, my wife and I, about cruise liners, and they reckon the average person going on holiday in a cruise liner put on a pound every day. I mean, it's just, that would they, be me. They were selling how good their food was. And I sat there going, oh, that's horrific. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, a pound per day, two-week yeah. cruise. That's a stone. That's yeah, a stone, yeah, 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 yeah. I could definitely do that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, then, and then thinking, well, what would you do differently next yeah. time? So those are the conversations we have with people and, and in the group. And we say, well, you know, every year we have to go through Christmas. What are people going to, how are you going to cope with that? Or, or how are you going to get back on track? Or what kind of, how are you going to do? We've ended up doing Christmas completely differently mm -hmm. at home, mm -hmm. which is quite a sort of, Christmas is such a sort of sacred family time, yeah. isn't it? That, uh, that over the years we've learned to do it differently so that we don't end up, there were some years where I did end up at least a stone heavier after Christmas and then struggled until sort of March or April to kind of, rein it back in again so we've we've learned over time not to do that so i think i think those are the kinds of questions you'd ask yep. people well you know um uh, you know are their best hopes still the best hopes and if mm. they are well you know it's kind of starting from where you are now integrating that learning mm -hmm. and, and and getting back on track so we've talked about grin great acronym for doctors patients general public like myself to understand about you know breaking everything down uh, we talk about hope and how, how important mm -hmm. hope is. But let's park all that for a second. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about nutrition and addiction, and in particular, uh, a question I ask a lot of people these days because there's different views. Is sugar addictive? And if it is, how do we kick that addiction? Yes. Right. So the short answer is yes. The, the long answer is I, th there, I think there is quite a lot of evidence and there's kind of mechanisms as to why that would be. And mm -hmm. also... Um, a lot of the behaviours that you see around food are addictive type behaviours. Um, and the other angle to it is that I consider myself to be a sugar addict and that part of doing this and adopting this lifestyle is a very personal thing because uh, it helps me to, to stay in control yeah. of my health and, and weight and kind of self-esteem mm -hmm. and that all my life... Um, I've, I've struggled with put, putting on weight, losing weight, um, tr struggling to kind of moderate the amount that I ate. Um, but, it, but if I cut out sugar and carbohydrates, that becomes a lot easier. I still do overeat on occasion, but not quite to the extent that, that I would have done with, uh, with, sweet, with sweet things. So in terms of the, the science behind it, sort of having having looked into it, as I say, this is the kind of, well, what are the mechanisms? And yeah. then there's like, well, what, what are the behaviours that make us think that actually maybe people can get addicted to mm -hmm. sugars and carbohydrates? Um, so when we eat 
eat sugar, sort of various things go on, don't they? As David was saying, you know, insulin goes up and then in the presence of insulin, various other things happen. So um, it's much easier for tryptophan um, to pass the blood-brain barrier in the presence of insulin and tryptophan is a precursor for serotonin, which is the happy hormone. Mm-hmm. So if you have a lot of sugar, you get a temporary serotonin happy boost, which people will say, won't they? You know, yeah. they, they, they do, you know, get a short-term kind of happy feeling from eating uh, sweet and carbohydrate or carbohydrate fat combined uh, foods. But of course, um, several things can happen. Then um, because it's nice to have that that feeling, it's something that you're going to want to repeat. Mm. And actually, we know that that sugar does um, act in the kind of habit, the habit centers of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you're kind of almost like driven to re, yes, to, 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 to repeat that that behavior that led up to you having that that nice feeling. That's right, and because and because then just like any addiction, the receptors for serotonin and, mm-hmm. and, and dopamine in the brain. Uh, they start to get worn out, so you need more and more of it more. To, 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 to fuel the craving. Yeah, serotonin and dopamine's involved mm. as well, which is, uh, again, very much involved in kind of reward mechanisms in the brain. Mm-hmm. Also, if you, then you have more, the tryptophan more easily passes over to make the serotonin, but eventually you're going to deplete your tryptophan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, isn't found in sugary foods. It's a, it's an amino acid, isn't it? Yes. So it's found in meat and, yeah. and fish and those sorts of substances. That perhaps if people are carbohydrate addicted, um, and certainly when I look at our diets mm-hmm. um, pre pre sort of adopting a low carb lifestyle, we're very sort of carb heavy and protein low. Um, now if you then low on tryptophan and serotonin because you're not getting it in your diet and you've, you're using it all up, you know, desperately trying to kind of chase that that fix, then what's that going to lead to? Well, we know that um, when people are depressed, there's a lack of serotonin in the brain. That's how the antidepressants work, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So you get yourself in this terrible cycle of trying to chase chase the happiness. Um, And actually, over time, you're becoming more and more miserable. So it's a horrible trap. It's a really miserable trap that people get into. I think also there's a lot of confusion between pleasure and happiness. So pleasure driven by dopamine, Mm -hmm. happiness driven by serotonin. And and actually this is where the big food companies trick us a little bit by going happy meal, happy hour, happy everything. Mm. And really they're not really selling happiness because happiness is long-term and long-term is the feeling you get from seeing your children grow up, your loved ones, yeah. the sunsets, and so on and so forth. Yes. So we're sold happiness, but what they're actually really selling is short-term reward, I and that's where that that's more. where that addiction comes in. I couldn't agree more, and it, and um, it, it, chasing that kind of short fix mm. at the expense of the things that we know, and when you look at the, the positive psychology the things that give you that long-term sense of satisfaction and quality of life. And when you ask people about what what are those things, we all know it's around social connectedness, Mm. families, doesn't it? Health, you know, having something that um, you're you're passionate about that that is a a kind of um, a mission, if Mm. you like. All of those things, a purpose, what leads to sort of long-term fulfillment, happiness. yeah, not these kind of short-term, and I think... It, it's kind of giving up the pleasure for now for long-term happiness, isn't it? So pleasure is short-term, it's reward-driven, and that's mm-hmm. the addiction, the craving. And the, those are the sorts of things that, that people can get addicted to, so so gambling, yeah. shopping, yeah. alcohol, food, yeah. sex, yeah. those things that give you kind of quick, yes. quick fix, and then, yeah... Well, you know, we need to have some pleasure in life because without mm. pleasure there wouldn't be mankind because sex does fall into the pleasure, not so much the long-term happiness, but it's getting that balance right between yes. pleasure and happiness and kicking that addiction really, I guess, is back. In fact, it comes full circle back to grin, doesn't it? Because you've got to... I don't know if you've, heard, mm. if you've ever heard about the marshmallow experiment. Uh, I saw the book on your show. Yeah, so the marshmallow experiment, I can't remember exactly when it was. They got a load of kids. Oh, it was the in a children. Room, the children. Yes, I do know and, it. And they said, right, if you, we're going to leave you all in this room, kids, with, with yeah. marshmallows. If you can avoid eating the marshmallow, when we come back in, we'll give you two marshmallows. Uh, and uh, what they found was that some, some, some kids will eat the marshmallow and some will wait for the teachers to come back in. 
and get twice the amount of marshmallows. Mm. Uh, and then they track the same people then through life some 34, I can't remember exactly how long, but 30, 40 years later, and found those that who had been able to withstand, uh, sort, of, sort of to not eat the marshmallow had gone on to much greater things in life because mm. you've got to give up a little bit of something now to get yeah. something greater long-term. It's like so, impulse control. Exactly. Mm. So give up the short-term pleasure for the long-term happiness. And I, and, yeah. and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we're talking here about nutrition and addic addic addiction. So is it about to get, uh, think about the goals, the resources, the increments and mm. the notice your grin. Is it about helping those that want to lose weight, let's say, focus on long-term happiness and somehow yeah. stop that, uh, trying to uh, try and refrain for that yes. short-term reward? Yes. So what is it that somebody really wants? So that's the goal, isn't it? And, 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 and to feel kind of yeah, peace and happiness, or however they might phrase that. Most of us would probably have the same ultimate goal, wouldn't we? Mm -hmm. um, and then helping them to, with noticing to sort of say, well, you know, how, how much of the time is your addiction giving you that feeling? You, yes. you think it is, don't you? Yeah. You, you're, you're in the moment choosing that. Yes. Actually, how much, if, if, out of 100%, how, how much of the time is that addiction giving you that? Yeah. They're not going to say very much, are they? No, it's like my first glass of wine always tastes great, but my glass of You're eight. Is, yeah. you know, <laughs> not I can't good. admit to eighth on it. <laughs> yeah, not Christmas, so, oh dear. Um, but, not so but, good. But, um, yeah, absolutely. And then getting them to reflect on, well, or to, to notice, at what times do you get that feeling? Mm. That's what you want, ultimately. At what times are you getting it? And nearly always people say things like, Oh, when, when the grandkids came over and I was playing with them. Yeah. Or um, I went on holiday with my husband, we went to a lovely walk. And, yeah. You know, so they're never going to be those those kind of treat rewards and are never going to be the thing, are they? But oh, it's helping to I, people to reflect I, on when did they get that feeling. Yeah, I think you've just nailed it there because, you know, you just really sit back and think about what truly makes you happy. And mm. it is that always that relationship thing or your children or that sunset and it's never that short-term pleasure. Mm. It's great. It's hedonistic some, when it all happens or together. Or some, some massive thing that was difficult, like uh, we've both got kids doing A-levels, yeah, haven't we? So, yeah. But, um, you know, uh, they're proud of themselves afterwards, and, and, and you're proud of them, yeah. but they've done a massively dif difficult thing, but it's actually ended, in a, mm. <laughs> hopefully, in a, in a good place where they're kind of pleased with themselves and, and happy, and they've got that sort of sense of self-esteem and satisfaction. So sometimes when we do a really difficult thing that's a, a long-term project, that actually gives us satisfaction at that's, the end of that, it, as that's, you say. That's absolutely mm. so true. Uh, for anybody trying to kick an addiction or mm. looking at nutrition addiction, this area we just looked at and psychology of food, great book is uh, by Robert Lustig. It's called uh, Hacking the American Mind. Mm. I know it says American, but it's, it applies exactly the same as people in the UK. And really, if you're trying to kick an addiction or helping your friends kick an addiction, it really is go through Jen's model of grin, but also keep thinking, try to explain that difference between short-term reward normally means to long-term unhappiness. So it's what can you can you give up mm. the marshmallow right now yeah. for two marshmallows? Bad analogy because we're talking about food and sugar. <laughs> sugar, yeah. <laughs> you Not know the what marshmallows. I'm um, talking yeah. of happiness. I think it's I've been got... also been called alpha pleasures and beta pleasures. This is what David and I have sort of spoken about as well between us. Well, you know, like uh, uh, an alpha pleasure is 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 you know something that's sort of more. I can't remember which way round it is now. David will remind me later. Um, one is that quick reward that mm -hmm. it doesn't really you know it's just a quick thing, and mm -hmm. uh, the the real alpha pleasures are, are those ones that the kinds of things we've talked about with family and yeah. projects and mission and yeah. yeah. And in fact, when it comes to nutrition and weight, short-term pleasure normally means long-term unhappiness. If you just think about that mm. for a second, short-term pleasure on food yep. normally comes from that the quick donut. buzz of the donut, <laughs> yep. the cake, the sweets, the, 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 the chocolate. Yeah, actually, if you could stop that, actually you're happier long-term. Yeah. Now, talking of happiness, I've got to ask you this question. Mm. I've known you as a couple for a reasonable amount of time now. What's it like working with your husband? And, uh, and and talk about how, just quickly for me, how you come from the psychology point mm -hmm. of view, obviously David being a GP, but really focusing in on diabetes. Is there any parallel learnings that we, we, can, we can pick up on here from 
you're approaching the psychology of health mm. and David on diabetes and obesity. Is there any parallel learnings we can, we can yeah, get from de them? Definitely. So we'd never, we'd, although we'd, we'd sort of worked both in South, but we'd never worked together because I had my job and, and mm -hmm. he had his. So it's only seven years ago that we decided to sort of focus together on, on this particular project. Um, and it, it's been great, actually, because I was able to bring, I was completely comfortable working with groups Whereas David had always done one-to-one -one consultations. He was like, well, groups, they're a bit scary. You know, <laughs> people could say anything. So, so that was great. But we used this, this model again in, in, in the group with our conversations with people. Um, and obviously, I'm not a medical doctor. So I can't give people, I wouldn't give people nutritional advice. You mm -hmm. know, I can only say what my experience has been and try and help them with these tools um, and the kind of conversations that we have to help people to change their own behaviour and to notice how they feel. So that, that, that's how the psychology side comes into it. But it's been fantastic working. And to see David's uh, passion and enthusiasm and, um, yeah, he was, uh, he was ready for retirement seven years ago and to, just to see him now uh, full of life is, is fantastic, you know, on a kind of personal level to, to see how the project has um, given him a whole new love for medicine has been wonderful. Well, you say that with a big smile on your face, and for me, happiness is is health. Happiness is longevity. Yeah. Uh, so uh, may that happiness and your longevity carry on forever. <laughs> and, and and David, by the way, uh, said to, I said to him, just one one word of advice. And David's one word of advice was, if you see food advertised on telly, on the radio, mm -hmm. or an advert probably not the right type of food to eat, eat food that's not advertised. Mm -hmm. So the good news is the type of food we're having this evening is uh, a steak from a local farm, so that won't be advertised there, broccoli and some greens. So yeah. we're, we're, on track food. With, we're on track with, there with David and his, and his final words. Um, I always ask every doctor that comes to see me, um, and I sign off with, um, what would you like your legacy to be? I think it would just be that... Um, when we're having conversations with each other, we try and understand what what, what the what the best hopes are and what the goals are yeah. for me, for each each side. So in a medical conversation, in with friends, with families, you know, to understand that, to understand what people's personal strengths and resources are, and to always try and comment on notice if you notice something positive or if you're grateful for something. I think always always saying that out loud. If somebody's looking well, say that. You know, if they if they did something that you thought was brave or kind or you know, just always really pointing out where the where the positive is. And I think we can all do more of that. Do you? Uh, I, I did say that was the end, but I want to ask you a quick question about mm. bringing up the kids because mm. um, I know you've got some lovely children. I met your son down in London. Uh, couple of weeks ago. Um, is that a, a word we should use a lot, bringing up our children? What do you hope for? Uh, mm. Or is it more related around health and uh, illnesses and wellnesses? Uh, or is that something I should use a bit more? What, what are your hopes and aspirations for my children? Or is that more? Mm, definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. What are their best hopes? When are they at their best? When are they at their most alive? We all, it's all different, isn't it? We're all different, like yeah. what, what, uh, what our particular kind of passions end up being and what our particular skills are. And I think pointing out to them when they did something that was brave or good or they seemed to be really enjoying themselves mm -hmm. and just really noticing when they're, when they're at their best as well. I might try and introduce that word hope when I speak to my children. I, I tend to use the word feel a lot. Too many people say, why do you mm. think like that? And, and mm. think is, it, it, it hits a different part of the brain. So I'm always asking my kids when they're doing things, why do you feel that way? And, uh, so that, that, they'll say, that's dad's favourite word. Why, why, why are you feeling like that? Um, but I'm going to start asking them yeah, about what, their goals. What, and, what are your best hopes in this situation? Yeah. Or um, if, if this thing that you're going to do went really well, tell yeah. me how... how how would it go, you know? Yeah, how does it play out? How would it, how would it play out? And if they can imagine a situation that they might be a bit anxious about playing out really well, or if you were at your best when you did that exam this afternoon, how, you know, what would you, what would you be doing? Or how would you, you know, and it gets them into that kind of positive mental place. Yep. Yeah, brilliant. Mm. I'm going to ask you one more final question um, that I ask some doctors, but uh, some sometimes don't have time. I'm going to ask you, uh, give me... What are the three most important things for a longer, healthier life? 
Oh, okay. Um, and, by the way, everybody has a different answer. There's yeah, no right, yeah, no, no wrong. Course. Every doctor. When we were at your uh, conference, the Public Health Collaboration Conference, we put that on a form and we asked, you had 200 medical professionals oh, yeah. at your event. And it, it, lots of answers come up quite often, but there's probably 30 different answers. Yeah, of course. Well, it would be the sort of things I've, I've talked about today, really. So I think it's really important to think about what your own best hopes are, what your own goals are. Yeah. Um, to have some sense of that because I, I, human beings are very goal focused, so you need to have some some sort of a project or a passion on go. Yeah. That can change over time. It doesn't have to be fixed. You can always sort of revise it. But um, you say that's goals and purpose. Goal, goals and purpose. Um, I, I think social social connectedness. You know, um, there's this, 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 so much benefit that we get. It sounds a bit twee, but from helping other people. Yeah. Um, so stay connected. Stay connected and um, help other people. And and then. And by the way, uh, yeah, we, we see that when we read books like The Blue Zone, and yeah. we were talking about Jason Fang earlier on, or Fang, um, you know, longevity, mm-hmm. um, family orientated, socialize. Yeah. And I don't mean socialize on internet and digital media, yeah. but really be active in your community. Absolutely. And the last one would be I think the noticing thing's really powerful. So. No, notice when when you feel at your best, when you feel most alive, and follow that Great follow advice. that feeling. And and the same for the family. So no, notice when someone in the family is is really kind of, you know, they seem to be most themselves, and yeah. and, and comment on that. Understand yourself, is it? Mm, Understand yourself, your own body, reflect yeah. on your own brain, and and what makes you happy. Because it doesn't mm. necessarily mean you've got to follow what. That's kind of the problem, isn't it? We, we all look at, well, I don't, but I see my wife occasionally reading OK Magazine and this magazine, and, mm. and reality is that's their life. Get on with your life, find out what floats your boat yeah. and do more uh, of and it. And see where that leads you. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Jenna went fabulous speaking to you. Thank, thank you, thank you so time. much. I hope you enjoyed it. I have again. enjoyed it, yes, thank you. Excellent. If you enjoyed this podcast, then why not subscribe to the full series so you can hear from all the incredible health professionals we spoke to. Before you go, though, visit Amazon today and pick up your copy of Fats and Furious by Steve Bennett. And as a thank you for being a subscriber, we'll even give you a third off. Simply use the discount code FFPODCAST and you'll get the full story featuring all 23 medical professionals.